Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home. This is the podcast. Today I have Christine Reed with us. She is an author, explorer, and a freelancer. Christine, why don't you take it away and introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm Christine Reed, um, author of the memoir Alone in Wonderland, which is about my through hike on the Wonderland Trail. So I sort of got into this working from home, working for myself uh, place, starting with long distance backpacking. Um, and now I live part time in a van while I travel on book tour and continue to hike and go on adventures. So we met at the Tiny Fest. Uh, Renee Sievers was the lady who lives out of the bus and hosts mm-hmm. the Tiny Fest. And as we were like getting um, escorted out, <laughs> no, as, <laughs> as, as it was getting shut down, I got to chat with Christine for just a second on our way out the door. Um, I think it was starting to rain, right? <laughs> that sounds right. Yes. Rain in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the one weekend that we had rain was the Tiny Fest. Um, but it was really fun meeting you and seeing people. We, we took a travel, we took a travel, we took a trip for three weeks in June, May and June last year, um, in a van, um, with five of us and we did not live in it. So, um, would you say you're in the van about 50% of the time, more or less? Uh, last year it was about 50% of the time. Um, this year, I think it's going to be more. And previous to last year, I had lived full time in a van for three years. So I've sort of done every iteration uh, in three very different vans over the last five years. Oh, really? Bigger, smaller? Because what are you in right now? I'm in a Mazda 5 minivan right now. So I think that's about as small as you can get and still call it a van. Uh, um, (laughs) So yeah, I had uh, previously, my first van was an old Dodge Ram van. Um, So think like creeper van, Um, but it was bigger. It was bigger. Yeah. Um, and, but it was, it still wasn't big enough to stand up in. It was like a low top. Um, and then after that I had a built out Ford transit, which was very nice. Um, and tall, very big. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which was great. And I loved, and, and there's pluses and minuses to every, every style, every size when you're on the road. Absolutely. Um, what is your main form of income right now? So this past year, I was on book tour um, pretty much the whole year. (laughs) All the time that I was traveling was for book tour. So my main income was selling books, um, hosting events, and I do also a little bit of freelance writing on the side. So I would say last year was probably 80% book related income and 20% uh, writing for other companies. And are you like touring the whole United States, continental U.S.? or just staying local? Yeah. So I'm home based out of Colorado, uh, Denver area. So last year I went all the way to the East coast. I did Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and then Missouri on the way back. Um, and then I did Pacific Northwest. So I went Wyoming, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, California, and then back to Denver. And then Mm -hmm. I did a month in Arizona when I met you. Oh yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) Okay, cool. Cool. Um, and then can you tell me a little bit about this wonder trail that you were on. I am not familiar with it. I'm not a hiker. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the wonderland trail is in Washington and I solo backpacked it in 2018 when I had very first moved into my first van. Um, so I was up in Washington, just kind of tooling around in the van and I crossed over, uh, a sign for the trail. And I thought I've heard of that trail and it's a 93 mile loop that circles around Mount Rainier. So it's all within the national park. Um, and it's just under a hundred miles. Okay. How long did that take a month? 11 days. 
oh, okay. That's yeah. pretty ambitious for hiking. Um, yeah, it, it averaged out to like eight, eight or nine miles a day. Um, mm-hmm. which when you're doing backpacking is, is not crazy. Okay. That's true. Um, but was it like ups and downs too, or was it pretty level? Yeah. So actually when I Googled the trail and I saw it was 93 miles, you know, I had hiked a big section of the Appalachian trail several years before. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, a hundred miles, that's no big deal. Um, and then I got out there and was like, this trail is very hard. Uh, <laughs> I had thought because it was a trail that circles around the mountain and doesn't summit anything that it probably wouldn't be that hard. And it turns out because Mount Rainier is a glaciated peak and there are huge glacial rivers coming down the mountain in every direction. So when you're circling around it, you're basically going up onto the shoulder and then down to a glacial river and then up onto the shoulder and then down to a glacial river. Repeat (laughs) 20 times. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it was enough to write a book about. So yes, yes. Trials and tribulations for sure. (laughs) So um, what is the main theme of your book? Mm, um, the main theme is sort of the interplay of searching for independence in your twenties, uh, and loneliness on the road or on the trail or in life. So how, how that search for independence, especially when you're at that age where you're like trying to break away from your parents, trying to break away from family expectations, uh, can sort of put you in a really lonely place. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, working from home in itself can do that and being a digital mm. nomad or however you identify as being on the road. Um, how do you identify that? Um, hmm. I, I probably don't use the word digital nomad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, that feels loaded to me in a, I guess a funny way that I haven't thought much about. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I definitely consider myself like on the road most of the time. Yeah. Um, and I, it can be really lonely. And mm-hmm. especially in the book, I, I start the story with, I was traveling around in my van and I was feeling very lonely. And then I thought I'd go to the trail because that was a place I had found community before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say I have over the years better found my community on the road. And I have made enough friends who also live in vans and friends who live in the places that I travel to mm-hmm. um, that I I'm not as painfully alone out there as I was in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. but I think anytime you're starting something new, there's a tendency to feel a bit isolated until you get into the community with it. So when you were on the Appalachian trail, you felt like you did find a community. My brother-in-law, mm. I think hiked it. I don't know if he did the full thing or a big por- portion of it, but I feel like they started to travel in groups and things like that. Was that not an experience on the Wonderland trail? No. So yeah, the Appalachian Trail is a really, really special place. Um, It is unlike any other long trail that I've done in that it is sort of set up for community. Um, There are shelters all along the trail where you can stay and people tend to congregate and camp at the shelters, whether you're staying in the shelter or in a tent. Um, And so you kind of find yourself with a group of people and you will find the people who are going the same speed as you the people who are taking like long breaks in town, like you, <laughs> you kind of find your people as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you are hiking with someone and you're like, you're not my people, like you will meet more people later that day, right? Like there's just so yeah. many people on that trail that it's impossible to truly isolate yourself. Um, and the Wonderland Trail is very permitted. So there are assigned campsites, um, but a lot of the camping areas only have between two and five campsites. So those are going to be like the only two and five people you see that day. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so it's definitely, and, and you're assigned, so you can't like meet someone and say, oh, I want to hang out with this person. I'm good. We're going to camp together now because you each have assigned spaces. Like a reservation that you had to make ahead of time. Yes. Yeah. And it's full up, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about your tour a little bit, what that was like for you? Sure. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I was almost overwhelmed by the social interaction on my tour. (laughs) Um, You know, the first leg of the tour was the East Coast out to Virginia and back. And the reason I went there is because uh, there's a big Appalachian Trail Festival called Trail Days um, in Damascus, Virginia. And so I first signed up for that. And then I was like, okay, if I'm going to be in Virginia, where else can I do events? And I reached out to local gear shops, um, REIs, and uh, like a few other bigger events. Um, and I ended up booking, I know something like 14 events in a three and a half week period. And Mm -hmm. so I was doing back to back, you know, days in a row of events. Mm -hmm. And some of the events are similar to what I was doing at tiny fest, where I was sort of standing at a table with my books, people were walking by and I was like, Hey, let me tell you about my book. Um, giving them the pitch (laughs) and then selling books. Um, and then I also gave a talk at tiny fest. So some of it was where I'm like speaking for 45 minutes and then taking questions. And some of it Mm -hmm. was, I'm standing at a table and I'm just pitching the book over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, and both of those are very like, um, socially stressful experiences for an introvert, especially, um, (laughs) you know, opposite (laughs) of your trail experience, total opposite. Exactly. Um, you know, and it's wonderful to talk to people, um, and especially at an event like trail days, because in the trail community, people read books like this all the time. And so there are people at trail days who knew who I was and they wanted to come talk to me because they had already oh, read the nice. book. And like, that's a really wonderful experience. And it's so mm-hmm. lovely to have someone come to you and say, I read your book. I loved it. Like I really related, you know, essentially like all the things I wrote the book for getting that feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very fulfilling experience but I had definitely overbooked myself. And so, um, and, and additionally, I was traveling in the really small van. And so when I had people who reached out to me on social media, people I had met on the trail saying like, Hey, I live in Virginia. Do you want to stay at my house? Do you want to crash with me when you're here? I pretty much said yes to any offers that I had been given. So Mm -hmm. then at the end of a day of doing book sale events, I was going to someone's house who I either didn't know or didn't know very well. Right. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then having to socialize with that person. And uh-huh. so, you know, and of course I'm like, I'm so grateful to these people Hot for shower. opening their homes to me. Right. Showers, laundry, like a stove um, and, and being in a home, which is nice. But then it was like, okay, now I have to hang out with this person and talk to them for a couple hours. And I was like, I just really want to go <laughs> like lay down. Um, yeah. So I did find, I did find that I needed more rest between events, needed a little bit more downtime. And so when I scheduled my Pacific Northwest tour, I ended up with probably also about 13 to 14 events, but over a two and a half month period instead of Mm -hmm. about a month. So on that tour, I had, you know, a couple events clustered together and then I would have like four or five days off. And I went backpacking during that time. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, okay like do work and then go explore and have fun and and do the things that really fill me up in a different way. 
Christine, I always like to try to get the backstory of why people end up working from home or in your case on the road. Uh, what led you to this lifestyle? Um, uh, before I wrote the book, I was working for natural grocers, um, which I know you guys have in Arizona too. Um, yeah. They're like a natural food grocery store chain. Uh, they're based in Colorado, based in Denver. So I had worked for them in Denver. And then I actually had moved to Sedona for a short period of time and worked at the store there. And I, I, retail is really hard, you know, and I, I loved it in some ways. I'm very passionate mm -hmm. about health and about food. And like, I, there are things that I really loved about the job and then there is working retail. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I was just exhausted by it. And um, I went on a trip to Australia where I road tripped up and down the East coast of Australia and went to the beach every single day and like spent time with a friend who was living there for a bit. And I came home from that trip and I was just like, I can't go back to work. <laughs> like, it was just one of those, like, I was dreading it so much going back to work that day. And I was like, okay, I had, I had an exit plan at that point. I had already bought my first van and I was planning to work like through the end of that year to save up money and like go hit the road. Um, and it, it was April and I, uh, I walked into my job and I worked for about four hours and I went to my boss and I was just like, I can't stay here. Like, I just, I, I'm crawling out of my skin. <laughs> um, and so I quit my job that day mm -hmm. and I, you know, I had this van that was brand, it wasn't brand new. It was new to me. I had just bought it. Um, and it was not built out. It had seats in the back. Uh, and I was just like, I guess I'm just moving into this van. So I built it out over the course of the next like week, um, pulled the seats out, put a floor down, built a bed. That was pretty much it. <laughs> wow. I mean, um, did you already have a place that you were living at that time? I was staying with a friend, um, mm -hmm. pretty much rent free because mm -hmm. I was like, I had only just moved to Sedona four months before. And so mm -hmm. I was like, <laughs> I was very much in transition at the time. Um, mm -hmm. but I felt like I can't, I can't just like stay here yeah. not working, not doing like, what would be the purpose of that? Um, and so, yeah, so I pretty quickly was like, okay, I'm going to move into this van with no plan and I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that very soon became a, a, a like a pitting feeling of aimlessness, right? Like I was mm -hmm. traveling around, I was like, I'm free as a bird. I can do whatever I want. And sometimes that is almost more difficult, like mm -hmm. that, uh, I don't like paradox of choice, like that you just can do anything. So you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Like you don't want to make the wrong decision. Right. Cause you have mm -hmm. so much freedom. Um, and it was about four months later that I hiked the wonderland trail. And mm -hmm. while I was on the trail, I realized I want to write a book about this mm -hmm. and everything sort of just started happening at that point. You know, I felt like I had purpose for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, about how old were you at that time? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. Um, in April when I, I was turned 28 in Australia while I was on that trip and then okay. came home and left my job. Yeah. Got it. Um, I don't know how to say this sensitively. <laughs> Is that the right way to say it? Um, like I know that, that there's a lot of people that have chosen the lifestyle of living on the road. And I'm just curious, how do you, um, identify, and I was trying to say that earlier, um, more in like a way that like, I'm not homeless. Like this is my choice that I've made this decision to live on the road and to work and have this freedom to, to move. Sure. I think 
I guess I use the term van life, which is like a very social mm-hmm. media based term, but I think right. that that is definitely one that's associated with like, I'm doing this because I love it on purpose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. So I've, and I feel like now it's more socially acceptable. There's not the stigma because you're like, oh my goodness, that's so cool. You have the freedom to go versus like, you know, what <laughs> you know you're like not you live around. in your car right yeah. yeah and and the more people that you've met you know like obviously through things like the tiny fest or I I have friends who've you know been able to travel um through basically 48 states more or less um with even small children like road schooling they call it with their kids mm-hmm. um and I know that the community is growing and growing and more I think in in media maybe because of things like Instagram and TikTok you know displaying like showing the cool beds and like the ways that people yeah. have done it totally I do think that the van life movement which I'm like started on Instagram has created an awareness of this choice of living this way mm-hmm. that has made everyone's parents not freak out so right yeah there's a community oh here we're not just a bunch of vagabonds right I'm not just being a hobo by choice like I'm I'm doing a thing that is a thing people are doing yeah are you in your van now or are you in a home base no I'm at at my home base in Denver which is my partner's place okay cool and you're there a few months at a time or do you kind of come and go yeah so last year I was here um about half the year and I was uh maybe two months at a time would be the max that I would be here Mm -hmm. um this year, you know, I got home in time for Christmas from Arizona and then I'll be headed out at the beginning of February. So like five weeks. When you went on that first adventure, those first four months before you went on the trail, were you already doing like freelance work? Is that something that you had started back when you were in Australia or is that something you've come into more recently? No, not at all. I had no income. Um, luckily I had some money saved. And so, Mm -hmm you know, and then once I moved into the van, I had no rent expenses, nothing like that. Um, and yeah, that first year I was sort of like, well, I'm just living off savings and maybe I'll take on some random work. If I find it, I actually worked a couple Mm -hmm. weekends at Renaissance festivals. Oh yeah. Like selling swords (laughs) my first year. (laughs) Cool. Just like a random, um, you know, my family used to do Renaissance fairs when I was a kid. And so I had a connection and, and I was like, Hey, like, it would be cool to make a few hundred bucks and -hmm. like do, do something for the weekend. Um, so I did that my first year, but that was pretty much my only income the first year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So how did you pay for gas? Um, I mean, I just, I just had savings Savings. and was living off savings. Yeah. Um, which gets stressful, like, you know, for the first few months, it's like, whatever I have, you know, X dollars and that'll last a while. And then as it starts to dwindle, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents definitely raised me with a sense of financial responsibility and uh, like they, they definitely imbued me with financial stress. Like that's a thing Uh that I got from my parents. (laughs) Um, cause we were not always, you know, wealthy, like we were pretty poor when I was growing up. And so they were stressed about money. And so they, they one taught me really well how to take care of money, which I have so much appreciation for. And they also gave me a sense of like impending doom (laughs) 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 if money things aren't the way they should be. And so that is something I've definitely struggled with over the course of the years that I've lived on the road. So then when did you come into doing the social media and the freelance writing? Um, yeah, so I started, um, actually during the first year, I thought I'm going to go be a hiking guide. 
Um, and I went and got my wilderness first responder certification because I thought that's something I can do while I'm living on the road. I can travel and do it in different places. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not a full-time job, so I'll be Mm -hmm. able to like work when I want to work essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was sort of going down that path. I had taken the course. Um, I had found a company in Arizona that I was going to guide for. Uh, and I went and did the first trip with them in May of the second year. So 2019. Um, oh, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, May of 2019. Um, and then like I started doing freelance and stuff for them. So they, they're a really small company. Um, they found out I was writing a book when I was like hosting the tour for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. and they were like, Oh, do you want to write some stuff for our website? And I was like, sure, that sounds great. Like this is perfectly aligned with what I want to do. Um, so I started writing for them. I started running their social media and then COVID happened. (laughs) Oh yeah. So so then, yeah, they had to cancel everything they had booked and lay me off because they were like, we Mm -hmm. can't like, what are we going to pay you? Um, and so then that was a bit of a restarting because I had gotten to where I was making like enough money to live on working for them. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, okay, I guess I have to figure out what I'm going to do now. Right. But that but was also close. Skills. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yes. And it was great because I had, you know, I have my own social media and I know how to write, but I had never really done that for a company before. Um, mm-hmm. And since they brought me on in the way that they did at, from guiding, they were uh, very open to working with me about like giving feedback and what they wanted. And, and it wasn't like me selling services. It was like them saying, Hey, do you want to try doing this? Um, nice. Yeah. Which was a great way to get, get into that. Um, and now I'm actually going into this coming up year. I'll be doing essentially the same thing, running social media, writing blogs um, for a company that builds out adventure vans. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So people that you've met along the way or at these tiny fest type events. Yeah. I actually met them at tiny fest the same, same weekend I met you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Excellent. So you're hoping to do more book tours or are you phasing that out and going into this other thing? Um, a little bit of both. I will still be doing some of the bigger book events that were really productive for me. Like I'll be going to tiny fest in San Diego um, in March. I will be going back to trail days in Virginia Um, but I will be doing less small events and a little bit less extensive travel so that I can be more based in Arizona, uh, Mm -hmm. working with this other company. And the book is two years old. It'll actually be two years old in a couple of days. Um, so yeah, (laughs) birthday. (laughs) Um, so at a certain point as an author, like you kind of have to move on from Mm -hmm. promoting one book in order to like write another one in order to move your career forward or forward. So I'm, I'm definitely ready for that phase. And most authors wouldn't still be promoting their first book two years later. The main reason that I spent all of 2022 on book tour is because I couldn't do live events in 2021. So of course, of course. Yeah. You know what? I still have like two or maybe three birthdays. I feel like I need to catch up on. So like, as far as like all the things that we missed out on in 2020, 2021, and yeah. even 2022, um, I think it's okay. You got to pass. There, yeah. There was a, a strange extension in the book world in terms of like how long it's appropriate to still be talking yeah. about your book. Yeah. yeah. So is there another one on the horizon? Yes, very much. Um, I'm working on a second memoir. And I am also working on my first novel. Oh, fun. So we'll see which one wins 
it's like, what do I feel like writing today? <laughs> I have a few friends help me out. It's the November challenge that people try to write their novel in like a month. Yeah, NaNoWriMo. It's National I've, Novel Writing Month. <laughs> I've never done it, but I have a few friends who've met their goals, which is incredible. Nice. It's All a right. big feat. I did it two years ago. And what I wrote is not going to be published, but it, <laughs> it does exist. <laughs> it got the juices flowing. Um, mm-hmm. I want to hear how you've made your van life work for you. Um, I don't always or very often... I don't want to use the digital nomad, but the people I haven't, other than Renee, I haven't interviewed very many people who are on the road full time or even half time. Um, So what are some tools that you have found that have made this lifestyle easier for you? Um, I think one of the big things is learning where you can be during the day to be most productive. Um, And so in the van I'm in currently, there's not room for me to sit in there and work. It's basically a bed and a pile of book tour stuff um and then like clothes box of food so everything's kind of like piled up and um, functional yeah yes it's like everything i need is in there not really space for me to like hang out so i have learned to go to coffee shops to mm-hmm. go to libraries um sometimes to go to parks if the weather is nice and like sit outside and write mm-hmm. um and and to be able to schedule my week around where I'm going to be and where I'm going to be able to work. So I think the biggest thing, yeah, is number one, learning where you're most productive. And I think that's true even when you're working at home. Cause when I, you know, I have an office at my partner's place and I can't get diddly done in here. (laughs) And like, you can see that's my desk is completely piled up with paper. Like there's, I'm not sitting at that desk ever. I'm taking this interview at the bedside table. Cause this is where I'm like, this is where I sit at my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I need to write or if I have specific things I need to get done, I will still go to the library from here um, because that is a place where my brain switches into like we're working now mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I can identify with this. Like yeah. there's, certain, <laughs> there's certain rooms and spaces and desks in my house um, where I'm like in the zone. Yeah. And there's others that like, like I, I do my interviews in here. I'm in a closet, um, but I do my best writing right now at the kitchen table. I'm trying mm-hmm. to, move my, I sometimes sit at my husband's fancy desk. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel you, there's different seasons for productivity here or there, but um, yeah, there's the zone, the, it's like a mental, um, I don't know, a flood of ideas that only happen right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's like that mind switching gears where you're like, okay, when I'm at home, I'm doing, you know, I do all the cooking and like, there's like house things that I do at home that I consider part of my like work as a human being. Mm -hmm. Um, and (laughs) And then if I need to get like work, work done, then I need to either be at a coffee shop or a library. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can like answer emails at home. That's fine. But if I need to, like focus, do focused work, it's better to go elsewhere. So I just use the same rules when I'm on the road, um, that I do at home. And then the other main thing that, that really is, I guess, hard for me and that I have to struggle with, um, is a sense of routine because I don't work Monday through Friday, eight to five. Um, especially when I'm on the road because I'm doing events and I'm, going backpacking and I'm, you know, I'm hanging out with people who are hosting me or I'm making new friends. And 
I do a lot of networking. I do a lot of like social connection. Um, and that those things can be really exhausting, but I also still have to do my work at the end of that. So Mm -hmm. sort of figuring out the schedule, looking at the week and going like, okay, here's the things I have scheduled and here's X, Y, Z that I need to focus and sit down and work on. And how am I going to fit all that together? I'm curious if you've ever pursued any of the like couch surfing or, um, what do you call it? Like home sitting, house sitting type of, um, communities. Um, I do know people who do the house sitting thing. I have downloaded the app, but I've never done it. Um, part of the problem is like the, the short notice of Ness of my life. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's hard for me to schedule something too far in advance and definitely for the house sitting, like they're, it's harder to find things that are very short notice. Mm-hmm. So, or for short enough periods of time, mm-hmm. um, I could probably make it work if I really wanted to, but I just haven't Yeah, It's one of those things that I'm like, once I got into it, I'm sure I'd be like, this is great. And like, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm-hmm. But the barrier to entry of like making it work the first few times, I just like right. haven't, haven't gotten there. So let's go back to some other tools or strategies that have helped you adapt to this lifestyle. Um, oh my gosh. One thing that I have recently said on a backpacking, uh, interview was that if you can through hike, if you can hike long distance, you can live in a van. Um, it's definitely not for everybody. (laughs) Um, it's super minimalist. And I think that if, yeah, if you can adjust your brain to the minimalist experience, then Mm -hmm. living in a van can be really fun and it can be really fulfilling. You can get a lot out of the experience, but we are not socialized to be minimalist (laughs) in in our culture. (laughs) Um, And it can be a really hard adjustment. And, and I will say having been in the van life community for five years now, I've seen a lot of people come and go. Um, And I think for, for the average person who van life is not a great fit for six months seems to be about the max that people can make it. So I think if you make it past the six month mark and you're not totally hating life, then like you could do this forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the tools are essentially just like, what, what is your minimum level of comfort? And I will say like in my first van and in the van I have now, I have no toilet. So that really like shapes what I do all day long. Cause it's like great if I'm at a coffee shop or a library bathroom there. Um, if I'm hanging out somewhere else, then I have to like, stop what I'm doing, drive somewhere to go to the bathroom, (laughs) right? There's, you know, there's just things, um, that you get used to that are, I would say very uncomfortable for people who aren't in that world. Mm -hmm. Um, so learning those things as well. And then learning like, where are you going to sleep at night? And there are definitely apps, um, that are really helpful within the community for finding campsites finding places that allow people to stay. Um, and then depending on what your budget is like, you know, I try to sleep free as often as I can. Um, but occasionally if I'm either traveling cross country and I'm stressed out about getting somewhere on time, I might use hip camp, um, which is like Airbnb for, it's not really campsites because it's usually people's property. Um, Uh so it's Airbnb for like people who have farms or have a house with a big backyard where they're going to let people camp in their backyard or things like that. So, and a lot of times it's like, you know, between 10 and $20 a night. Um, so it's cheaper than a lot of campgrounds. Airbnb has those options sometimes too, 
Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, Airbnb and HipCamp both have more like glamping, like stay in this cute little A-frame or like these mm-hmm. TP things and things like that. So that's definitely more on the upper end price-wise. Um, Got it. But like in Tennessee, I just slept on some people's farm in my van because I was uh-huh. like, I just need a place to park. A place that um, you were allowed to park. Yes. Where no one's going to bother me. Like I know there's people here. They live in that house. Like they know I'm here. They had a little like composting toilet set up. Um, I think I paid 12 bucks and I was like, this is totally worth it not to be driving around all night trying to find a place to stay. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever do like the boondocking um, Walmart parking lot stuff too? I have slept in some Walmart parking lots. Yeah. Uh, it's not, I have to really like just thing to do. <laughs> <Road> trips. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's definitely convenient in some places, Um, it's also something where it's like a vibe check. Like you get there and you're like, does this feel safe? Are there other people sleeping here? Mm -hmm. Um, and that definitely depends on where you are. Mm -hmm. I, I slept in a Walmart parking lot in New Hampshire several years ago that a friend recommended to me. And I got there and I was like a little sketched out, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but he was like, oh, I used to live in that parking lot. He like stayed there for like months. Oh, I was like, okay. Like if you are sure it's safe then I you know and it was fine I wasn't bothered I was just a little like concerned I'm curious what you keep in your backpack when you're hiking through hiking is a term I don't know Mm. so through hiking is hiking end to end on a long trail um it's I guess debated on about what distance the trail has to be to be considered a through hike I've heard 100 miles Um, or I've heard you have to resupply three times for it to be considered a through hike. These are arbitrary like suggestions that people have made about what makes a through hike. Um, but the key when hiking long distance is to carry as little as possible because it's like going to slow you down and you're not going to have as good of a time if you're carrying a lot of gear. Um, so my first through hike was on the Appalachian trail. Well, my first attempted through hike. Uh, and I was carrying a pack that was about 45 pounds. Um, now my pack is closer to 30 pounds. So I've downsized a lot. Um, and, and what you carry really depends on what trail you're doing and what the weather's going to be like also. So that's a factor, Mm -hmm. but my core kit is essentially, uh, my pack, my tent, I have a sleeping pad and a sleeping bag. I always carry a Merino wool bag liner also. So I have like the sleeping bag, and then essentially like a sheet um, for the inside of the bag. And then I carry as little clothes as possible at this point in my hiking career, um, mm-hmm. even though that I I don't like to be cold. So it's a balance between figuring out how to not be cold, but not carry a bunch of extra stuff. Um, yeah. But it's essentially like, you know, whatever I'm wearing, tank top, shorts and pants, um, rain gear, a poncho, um, and now I use like a 99 cent plastic poncho from Walmart, uh, cause it's so much smaller. Like they come in a little yeah. package. That's like this yeah. big. Um, I have one in my car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're great for just like, have one in your purse, have one. Like if you're going on a day hike in case it rains. Um, and I, I haven't had to use them very often. They're kind of not single use, but they do tear. So they don't last. Wrap-ish. They don't last forever, um, but you can get some some uses out of one if you're careful about putting it away. Um, but that, and then I have like a very basic first aid kit, and then I have a stove, and then like food, whatever food I'm carrying. Is it a lot um, of like protein snack 
bars kind of stuff? Uh, I definitely do a lot of bars. I usually eat ramen um, for dinner. I like, I'm a very boring food hiker. Like I eat the same thing every day. I have some food restrictions. And so there are certain things that I know work for me and I don't like mess with that. Um, So I eat, yeah, I eat oatmeal. I eat protein shakes. I eat ramen and then bars. Um, And then I'm also a runner. So I've gotten into eating like goose and gels and stuff for running and <laughs> I'm face. not a runner. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, <laughs> goose are literally packets of goo. It's like um baby food texture or it can be more like honey texture and you basically like drink it and it's calorie dense. Um so I will use those on the trail also and then gummies are it's like um gummy bears but disguised as running fuel. Okay. You could eat gummy bears. It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Got it. Um, vitamin packed, I'm assuming. Um, mostly sugar. Yeah. <laughs> it's just meant, I mean, it's just meant to fuel, fuel cardio activity. Yeah. So okay. it doesn't really need to be super nutrient dense, just sugar. Um, then do you have to haul water with you or are they, is that where you refuel or re- load or whatever you said resupply resupply yeah um water it depends on where you are so if you're hiking in the desert then you're carrying a ton of water um if you're hiking in the pacific northwest there is water every five minutes so Mm -hmm. i carry a water filter um Mm -hmm. and so you just collect water out of streams or Mm -hmm. murky puddles or whatever is available (laughs) right um and you're just drinking water and you know when you're in the mountains and there's beautiful streams like colorado um we found a lot of water on the Colorado trail. So most of what you're drinking is not gross, like good quality. You look at it and you're like, I would drink water out of that. Um, and when you're in the desert, sometimes you're drinking water out of a cow trough because Mm. that's the only water there is. Mm -hmm. So you use your filter and you just say a little, always filter, (laughs) always filter. Yes. So there's also, there's, you know, water filters that are really effective. Um, they do a really good job. I have never gotten waterborne illness. I, Um, but there are also like treatment drops that you can put in the water. Um, you can treat it with bleach, like a very small amounts. Um, so there's several different methods and for sure on the Colorado trail, which is notorious for, uh, there's a whole section where you walk through cow pasture. And so there's just cow poop everywhere. (laughs) And so when we were in that section, we filtered the water and treated it because I was like, I'm not messing with that. I don't want to get sick. Absolutely. And then, um, in your van, what are some of the things that other than books that you bring with you? Um, you said there's a bed in there. Mm -hmm. How big is this bed? It's 27 inches wide. Okay. Uh, so considerably smaller than a twin size bed. Um, Mm -hmm. I am five ten, five eleven, and the bed goes from the back door of the van, like the hatch door um Mm -hmm. to the back of the passenger seat and it is exactly as long as I am Mm -hmm. um and so that's about half half of the van width wise and then the full length and yeah I carry books and other books tour stuff I have like a table and and things like that um and then I have one bin of clothes um the really nice thing about having a home base is that I can trade out my clothes and not carry the same thing 
yeah, in per- perpetuity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I can, I, I can pack clothes kind of according to where I'm going. And, and also just in like, I just want to have a different shirt with me this time um, that I'm going to wear for the next month. So I have that. I carry my backpacking gear with me always uh, in case I want to go do something. But that um, doesn't take up very much space because you're. It, <laughs> it doesn't take up very much space. You know, it's, it's decent size, but there, yeah, I have that. And then I have um, one bin of food and I have my camp stove with me so I can eat essentially the same food I eat when I'm backpacking mm-hmm. when I'm on the road. Um, and then I carried a cooler for a short stretch that didn't seem to work for me. Uh, it was so hot in Virginia when I was there and mm-hmm. the ice, ice would melt in like six hours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is way too much of a hassle. It's not worth it. Um, Yeah. There was a gal at the Tiny Fest who I had seen her video and I said a very super quick hello to her as well, who's working out of a car. Mm -hmm. Um, And I cannot remember her name. We'll look it up. But she um, tented part of the time. So she camped. So I'm assuming, I mean, do you have a bigger tent or do you just have your small hiking tent? I only carry my backpacking tent, which is very tiny. Um, But I have... I would prefer if the van is there to sleep in the van than to sleep in the backpacking tent, but I do Mm -hmm. have that available Mm -hmm. if I wanted to sleep in it. And then how often do you adjust your travel plans based on the weather? Ooh, um, rarely when it comes to being in the van, but if I am planning to backpack and there's going to be bad weather, I will usually not do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm definitely a fair weather hiker. I would much prefer, you know, if you're doing something long, there's really no avoiding bad weather. Um, But if you're only going out for two or three days, I don't feel like it's worth it to just be soaked for two or three days. No. Um, Some, some people that are interested in, you know, alternative lifestyle, as far as working on the road or working from home or working, you know, however, you know, with freedom, um, they're like, well, I can work wherever I have an internet connection. So can you talk a little bit about your internet options? Um, yeah, I don't have internet in my van. Um, the Starlink has gotten really popular and I know lots of people in vans who have that. And I think if, if I was going to be to the point where I was not going to be in cities enough and needed internet, that's definitely what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? If you want to be on the road so you can be out in the middle of nowhere, then you're going to need something like Starlink. But if you're traveling like city to city, or at least in small towns, areas, or if you're going so you can be close to nature to mm-hmm. do nature things on the weekends, mm-hmm. then you could work in a town, um, and do like, you know, do coffee shops, do, um libraries but it also depends on are you like zooming all day long uh (laughs) right if you're if you're talking if you're in meetings you can't really like sit at a starbucks all day um because that's kind of obnoxious (laughs) yeah um but a lot of my work is silent like i'm just sitting doing emails and writing so um Mm -hmm. if if i do have zoom calls when i'm on the road i will reserve a like a room in a library um Mm -hmm. and that has worked pretty well for me so it, yeah, it's, it's similar to the bathroom thing, right? Like you can yeah. do it without having that. You just have to know where you can access it. So same goes for internet. How often do you find yourself using the hotspot on your phone? Ooh, um, not terribly often. Uh, maybe 
once or twice a week. My weeks are just so different. It's hard. Like there's, there's been a few times where it's like, oh, I'm doing this every day. Mm-hmm. And then, and then sometimes never. I think that my, um, I was with Sprint and they just got bought out by T-Mobile and I feel like mm-hmm. I was throttled or I was cut off or I had to pay more after like so much. And now with the new plan, I have more access to it, but I'm thinking like using hotspot once or twice a week is a lot for a year. Like that hardly at all. <laughs> so it's a, a different perspective too. Right. Yeah. Well, it depends. Like, are you, I've, I don't think I've ever used my hotspot to zoom and that probably doesn't work super great. I mean, you can, you can zoom from a phone mm-hmm. directly without having to hotspot. Yeah. I guess I've done that only for, I run a writing group. And so mm-hmm. I have used Zoom from my phone to do writing group from like a campsite. Um, but the quality of that is not as critical as like doing an interview or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <I have> published <laughs> video kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's me just like talking to my writing friends. Yeah. Um, is there money in that or is that just like for your collaboration and community? Um, that, yeah. I'm not making money running the writing group right now. So yeah, I do have feel- groups saying you should be charging for this. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I do some voluntary hosting of things as well. Um, so what does 2023 look like for you? Um, I am getting started working for that company that is building out adventure vans. So mm-hmm. I will be adventuring in vans. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So and theirs as well or just not? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I'll be borrowing theirs when they're doing like a rental fleet um, to rent out the vans on Go Camp, I think is the name of the app. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, yeah, so their vans will be available to rent. And then when the vans are not rented, I will be taking them out and doing video, doing photo content, um, and then like writing about what it's like to travel in a van. Mm-hmm. A different van. Every a time. different van. Um, <laughs> right now they only have one. So it's a brand new company. Um, they just finished building their first one and they're working on three more. So by okay. spring, by spring, there'll be four. Um, so hopefully I'll get to rotate through and like use different ones. And when you're not actually in their van, you're still writing and doing social media for them. Yep. Yeah. Are you open to more business? If anyone's looking for someone to help with social media? Potentially. Um, I definitely try to stay in my lane as they say, in terms of the content that I'm writing. So yeah, specifically if it's about the outdoors, if it's about hiking, running, living in a van, rock climbing, um, you know, the things that I know and am passionate about, um, potentially, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I don't want to overextend myself and I'm Mm -hmm. still working on my own writing projects. So I'm pretty selective um, about what I'm taking on. (laughs) Yeah. I also, you know, I also have um, a chronic illness and part of the reason that working from home is so great is that I get to manage my own like working hours, working time. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of have a, a cap on, I'm not trying to have a 40 hours a week job, you know? Yeah. What is a good fit for you as far as balance and time? Um, it really depends on what I have going on travel wise. Cause that takes time. But if I was, you know, if I'm at my home base or if I'm somewhere where I'm not traveling around a whole lot that week, um, I try to keep it around 30, 30 okay. hours of work. Yeah. Because I also like on top, on top of working, I also hike a lot. I run a lot. I do a lot of physical stuff to stay in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And because that is so closely related to my business, like I kind of count that as work time too. So if it's like 30 hours of sitting at a computer type of work, 10 hours of running, hiking, being outside. Right. So your um, business is called Rugged Outdoors Woman. Mm -hmm. And the umbrella covers the book and what else? And also the freelance work that I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's chat a little bit about how people can find your book and how they can find you. And then we'll finish up with advice for people who want to work from home for the first time. So where can people find you? Um, your book. (laughs) So the best place to reach me if you want to chat or see what I'm doing is definitely Instagram. Um, but I'm also on TikTok and my handle is rugged outdoors woman on both of those platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a website. The website is called aloneinwonderland.com, which is the name of the book. Um, and that is a great place to purchase the book. You can buy signed copies there, which you can't really get anywhere else um, unless you come to an event. And it also has a list of events coming up that I'm doing. It has some other shorter form things that I've written and also links to different podcast interviews that I've done. So that's sort of more like my writing content space is the website. And then just like seeing what I'm doing and, and talking to me directly is social media. I know you're going to be in California in March for the tiny fest. Um, yes. do you have any other upcoming events? You said you're going to Virginia at some point. Yeah. So I'm actually going to be in Florida for the t- first 10 days of February. And I have a few events at the Tampa REI and Gainesville REI. Um, and then a couple libraries in Florida, and then I'll be headed back to Arizona. Um, I think the first week of March, I have a couple library events in Arizona before I head to San Diego. Um, yep. And then I'll be back at trail days in May in Virginia. You've mentioned REIs and shops and libraries, but do you ever do bookstores? Occasionally, um, bookstores are pretty choosy when it comes to events. And because my book is self-published, um, a lot of them just aren't going to do events for self-published authors. Mm -hmm. Um, additionally bookstores usually like to promote books that are less than six months old. So that window Mm -hmm. has closed for me. Yeah. That's fair. (laughs) It's rough out there, but I honestly, (laughs) I've done a couple bookstores and I've had great, great experiences with the ones I have done. Um, but I really love the gear, the gear shop environment. And, and truly that's where most of my audience is anyway. Right. Um, so I really, I like being able to give presentations specifically about backpacking, about being a woman in the outdoors. And I think that I'm able to reach my audience most directly, um, Mm -hmm. through gear shops. What was the talk that you gave at tiny fest? Um, I actually have a specific talk that I only give at tiny fest. Um, that's about loneliness on the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really big thing. I mean, like there's loneliness from working from home too. Like even the people that aren't on the road still can experience it. So I think it's a theme that can really, um, touch a lot of people. Absolutely. I, yeah, culturally we we're so individualistic and I think that's a factor, but then also with COVID and just this like tendency to isolate, a lot of us haven't really gotten out of I am going to ask you to just go ahead and what's the advice that you would give for someone who's thinking about working from home for the first time? I guess there's two different categories, right? Of There's working from home and there's working for yourself. And those are different things. Mm-hmm. If and you have something for each of them, that's the fine. <laughs> um, I do think finding the space that you're most productive is really important. Um, and I think also being open 
to the idea that working from home doesn't work for everyone. So going into it with an open mind of like, I'm going to see if this works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've really glorified working from home, especially since COVID started. And for a lot of people, it's amazing. And it gives you the ability to balance your life and to like have time to do your chores at home. <laughs> like there's, there's so many nice things about being at home during the day mm-hmm. um, and, and having a little bit more freedom and flexibility but it doesn't work for everybody. And if you have like a hard time focusing without someone there holding you accountable, um, that's definitely something I have struggled with over time is, is actually doing more, (laughs) especially working for myself. Right. It's not just Mm -hmm. that I don't have someone physically there holding me accountable, but I don't have anyone holding Mm -hmm. me accountable at all. Um, so I think learning those, those skills and or finding a mentor or a buddy to work with during the day can be super helpful. So I have some friends from my writing group who like, sometimes we'll just zoom for three or four hours during the day Mm -hmm. and like, okay, I'm working on X, you're working on Y, we're on Mm -hmm. mute. We're just doing the thing and we'll check Mm -hmm. in in 40 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing with, um, there's a website you can get three hours, I think for free every week. It's called Focusmate. And I've actually just heard about this. Yeah. Focus mate is my go-to if I'm working an all-nighter or overnight. Um, I worked third shift for many years. So kind mm. of like working from home or working from the road, working overnight is its own thing that you, you know, yeah. some people can make the cut and some people won't. Um, so yeah, if I'm working in the middle of the night, I am basically connecting with people in other countries to nice. you know, stay accountable. It's cool. Yeah. Someone just told me about that and I've been thinking about trying it. And Anything specific for people who are considering van life? Ooh, uh, rent a van and try it out. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So many people buy a van, they build out a van. It's a five month project. They do all this work. They get ready to go. They get on the road and they realize I hate this. (laughs) Okay. Um, And I think, yeah, I think that can just be avoided really easily by renting, you know, and there's several companies now that host van rentals. They do like Airbnb essentially for vans. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can get one for a week, two weeks, a month, try it out, see, Mm -hmm. see if it works for you. And I think you usually know pretty quickly. The company that you're working with is called One More Time. Um, so the company is N2 Exploration. That's actually building and renting out the vans, but they are renting them on the platform um, go camp, go camp and okay. go camp is popular. There's also one called out. Outdoorsy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Those are the two that I, I'm sure there's probably other places you can rent vans, but those ones are generally people who live in vans renting out their vans. Mm-hmm. So you'll be in one that was designed to be lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, which I also think is kind of key. If you rent like a camper, a camper van from like, um, oh my gosh, what's that company called? Explore something explore. They rent out camper vans for people to like uh-huh. go to the national park for the weekend right. and they're just built differently. Okay. Um, I think that outdoorsy has both. They have like the RVs and probably the vans. Yeah. They, yeah, that sounds right. But yeah, getting one from somebody who's like, this is a van I live in and it was built with that in mind. Just the way that things are laid out tends to be different. So try it out before you buy. <laughs> try before you buy for van life for sure. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Christine. Any final thoughts before we say bye? No, this has been great. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, It's April Malone with Christine Reed. And yes, I work from home and we will see you next time. Thank you.